really for me, it was especially having girls, it's I have to be the example of a man for them. Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host, Shauna Pinnock, Social Media Director at The Grio. And I'm your co-host, Jerry Keith Gaynor, Managing Editor at The Grio. And this week we're asking, Dear Culture, what does Black fatherhood look like to you? Before we even get into that show, G, tell me what's on your mind this week. I mean, but first and foremost, let's just talk about Jaren's new background, okay? Jaren's out here, D.C. living, left me in, in the ghetto known as New York City. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, but tell us, what has been on your mind? This week, I have to shout out Stacey Abrams because we know that Megan Thee Stallion coined Hot Girl Summer. Well, Stacey Abrams is now calling on us to have a hot call summer because she started a new campaign to get young people to get actively involved in this push for the, the For the People Act, which is uh, currently passed in the House, but it may not be passed in the Senate because Joe Manchin, a, a fellow Democrat who is a moderate, uh, has declared that he will not support this bill because it is uh, partisan. Um, he is on this, this mission to have a bipartisan environment in the Senate but we all know that Republicans have no interest in a bipartisanship relationship with de Democrats. They want to see the Biden-Harris administration fail and they are derailing important legislation. And this is important because voting rights is the most, it's the most paramount uh, thing that we can have as in a democracy. And we're seeing bills passed across many different states. Um, some of them have already been passed in, uh, in Florida and in Georgia. Uh, there's one that was almost passed in Texas, but the Democrats uh, figured out a way to at least stall it temporarily. But this is a, a important fight because Republicans play dirty always. And we saw what they were able to do in the Obama years with ger gerrymandering. And now we're seeing it with these blatantly uh, anti-voting bills. And so Stacey Abrams knows this very well because she lost an election in Georgia because of voter suppression. And so she has become the face of voting rights. And I'm just really, um, one, I think the name is just really cool. I mean, like hot call summer. I mean, <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, go ahead, Stacey. But it's a way to get young people and young people of color in particular involved, but also getting their attention. Because we all know that in, in this generation and, and the Gen Zs, it's pretty hard to keep their attention because there's so much out there uh, to be paying attention to. But voting rights is important to be paying attention to because this could impact uh, our communities for many, many years to come. And we already saw with the census and the impact of that, we saw some seats being lost in democratically held districts. And this could have a huge blow to um, at the advancement of progressive policies, things that could really better our communities. And so Stacey Abrams, shout out to you. I'm going to uh, get involved in the hot call summer. Uh, so, but make sure you Google that and get involved. Tell your friends, tell your family, because many we got involved in the 2020 elections because most people wanted to see Donald Trump not be reelected. But we have to stay involved. We can't just focus. We can't just let it be about 2020. It's about 2022. It's about 2024 and many elections to come. Because if you want to have a say in your in your in your community and how and how that impacts your daily life, um, you have to vote. Um, voting is the best thing you can do to ensure uh, democracy lives, because without it, we, we are not a democracy. So please pay attention to what's happening across this country and your state. Um, you can get involved on Stacey Ab Abrams' website um, and 
yeah, the elections are coming up next year and I don't want to let this be overlooked because who knows what could happen if we allow these type of bills to continue to be passed across the country. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll get into what I'm, I'm <laughs> really uh, interested in and that is something that kind of tickled me earlier this week. A young lady, I'm not gonna say her name or her at, um, I'm sure if you really did your research, you can find it. But there was a young lady who was posting these like very quick clips of her destroying a car. Some, somebody's poor Nissan Maxima Sentra something, some car. Um, it turns out that car belongs to her baby daddy. Um, you know, and she is, you can hear the hurt and pain in her voice. And she's like, just talking cash stuff. Like I'm talking like, she done gave the car two black eyes. Like the, the windshield is busted up on both sides. She keyed the car, wrote uh, that he has a, a, a little, a little, a little D in <laughs> on the side of the car, like keyed that, um, knocked off the, the rear view mirrors, knocked off, <laughs> knocked off everything, like destroyed this car. <laughs> it's the ghetto. We've all, you know, I burned, I burned some clothes a time or two, you know, whatever, in my youthful days. It upsets me to see, especially women, especially Black women, have to go through stuff like that. Sis, I promise you can just leave because in the grand schema, and I get it, these fools, these busters lie. I get it. I, if anybody don't, if don't nobody understand you, sis, I understand you. They are trash. They could be lie. They could be liars and deceitful, can make you question yourself, can give you all these insecurities. I understand, but you know what you can do? Go to therapy and get over it. Because to me, it doesn't make sense. Me sitting here destroying this property, potentially, potentially going to jail. Well, no, I'm probably going to prison. <laughs> probably going to jail. One. Two, we have a child together. So might lose custody of my child. He might take my child. Does that make sense to you, sis? Does that make sense to you, sistrin? It doesn't. Um, and so I just want, as a PSA, you know, Outside is opening back up. It's hot outside. Folks like to act a little crazy when it's warm outside. I am telling you all, it is just easier to leave. It is easier to get a therapist than it is to sit up there and film yourself acting crazy, acting out of character, going viral. Now people all in your business. Now people out here commenting. And of course, you know, fast forward to today because now I'm invested in the story. She done deleted all that stuff. And she promised that she wasn't gonna delete. I'm like, you, I just need us to do better. That was all. <laughs> Ain't no man worth all that. Uh, but, you know, let's get into today's show. Sunday, June 20th is Father's Day, and it's a time where we honor our dads and important male figures in our lives. Oftentimes, we hear from the child how their father or male figures impacted their lives, but we seldom hear from fathers about how much their title and their role has changed them. This week, we're joined by two dads who will discuss their fatherhood journey and particularly how important it is for them to be present in their beautiful children's lives. Let's get to it. So Shauna, I, I always get a bit um, sad during Father's Day um, because my father passed away a few years ago. And But fatherhood is so important because whether you are um, a young woman or a young man, 
uh, your father and the relationship you have with your father has huge impacts on how you move through the world. It can impact the way that you date, who you date. Uh, it sets the tone. It's the first introduction to a male relationship. Um, and it's really important to have great fathers because especially in the black community and black and brown communities, you know, there are, you can have good influences and you can have bad influences. And, you know, there's always been this misconception about absentee fathers. And while there are certainly absentee fathers out there, you know, I think it's really important to, on, on fathers especially to, to emphasize that just because a father may not be in the home, it does not mean that the father is absent. And growing up, I had both my parents in the household. My parents were married for 30 years before he passed away. And I have many friends who didn't have dads in the home. Some of them had strained relationships, strained relationships with their fathers. Some um, had decent relationships. They just weren't in the household. Um, but for me, my dad, I had a complicated relationship with my father. He was very loving and supportive. I always felt very protected by my father. I think um, last week during the Pride episode, I mentioned how I was violently attacked for being gay more than once. And on one of those instances, my father actually went and said, point the guy out. He made me walk back to the scene of the crime <laughs> and point out the guy who punched me in the face. And he said, you touched my son? And he ran off, like he ran toward like the projects. And this man ran after him. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm probably 11, 12. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? I'm running behind him, but I'm scared because I don't want my father to get hurt. I'm thinking that the guys, the, the boys are gonna run and get his friends because he was in the game. And oh my gosh, we're gonna get killed. Um, but when I reflect on that moment, you know, years later, it just reminded me about how much my dad really loved me and he was willing to do anything for me. And to have that kind of love, I mean, it's, it's indescribable. It's, 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 it's so important to be loved, for any child to be loved. And while me and my father had a complicated relationship because though he was very loving, he was supportive, he did not initially support my, uh, my sexuality. He was against it. He, he was a minister and he would pull up the scripture. Um, but after I wrote this piece uh, last year for Father's Day about this very thing, um, people who knew my dad, who I, some of them I didn't know, reached out to me and was like, I think your, you, your, you, your father would have come around and that there's more to the story. And I later learned that my dad wasn't homophobic. He was just scared. And in fact, he had a lot of gay friends who actually died of AIDS and HIV. And so there was a complicated history there. And me and him never got to sit down and have that conversation. And unfortunately, during that time when we were butting heads, he didn't say, you know, I know uh, somewhat what it might feel like to be gay and, and the dangers that could come with uh, being gay. And you should be protect yourself. And I'm, I'm just worried for you. But he didn't really have, I guess, the language at that time or wasn't in the right headspace to really communicate that. And so I've been going through all of this with my therapist because, because he's not here in the physical form. I'm not able to find that healing with him. I'm not able to be like, you know what, dad, you know, you hurt me years ago, things that you said, things, you, things that you did. But I understand now there's no opportunity for him to say, I wish I could have did things differently. And so I've had to 
reconcile and forgive and um and heal with my father um in a different way in a different spiritual healing type of way and i found that healing and i know that if my dad was still alive today he would have accepted me um and he would be just as supportive of me as my mom is today and she wasn't always on board as well and so i just want to um acknowledge the fathers who are who are really out there supporting the lgbtq plus children and for those who are not you know i challenge them to to love on their child regardless of what what you might feel personally um because how they identify and what they're feeling is not going to change and your decision to love them or not can have huge impacts on your lives for many many years to come I also want to send love to those who have lost their fathers um, who or don't have father figures or maybe just don't have their father in their life, but have father figures in their lives. I know that Father's Day can be really complicated for those reasons. And for me, you know, I don't really celebrate it so much because it still is sad, but um, I do take time to reflect on the father that I did have um, because so much of who I am is because of him. And while he wasn't perfect, I knew he loved me. And that's all that matters. Oh, well, sending all my love to you. Um, I know this is going to be a tough weekend for you, G. So, you know, you. it's all my love to you. Um, and I mean, it's no secret. I talk about my parents all the time on this damn show. <laughs> uh, and well, real quick, one thing that I do want to acknowledge that you said, um, and I kind of want to get a little bit deeper especially when it's in terms of black fathers and black fatherhood. Like I believe there was a CDC released a study um, I think about two, three years ago uh, that proved that black fathers are the most active fathers in terms of like all the racial groups, regardless of whether or not if they were in the house with them or not, you know what I mean? And I think that's one of the things it's so important because it's like, I remember growing up and you've seen, you know, these, <laughs> you've always seen, the, especially in the media, it's portrayed as like, oh yeah, well, you know, black fathers, they're all off in prison or on, you know, doing drugs or had 20 babies with, <laughs> with 19 women or, you know, something, all of that kind of craziness. And the reality is, and that's why I'm so, social media sucks. <laughs> it's my job, but it sucks. But it's also a really beautiful thing because we've seen influencers like, you know, LaGuardia Cross and Kev on stage and um, uh, Deval Ellis, you know, people who have embraced fatherhood, like Black fatherhood. Uh, oh, um, belief. You know, people who have embraced Black fatherhood and who are putting it out there of like, no, this is what I do every single day. My kids are my life. I think that's it's something amazing um, and it's something that's necessary. And I, I just appreciate all those black daddies out there who, regardless of if you are in the home with your child every day or not, you're, do, you're making sure that you are a part of their lives. Um, extra shout out to, to the gay black dads. You know, I see, I see y'all, you out here <laughs> doing, doing the thing. Um, and I don't know, I think for me as a woman, it's always been, a little challenging because I've, I've, I've found myself questioning like, well, how necessary is it? You know what I mean? Like, what if you just had like just a male father figure or anything like that? Like does, how much does that 
impact your life or, or doesn't it? Um, and I think for, I thought that for a long time and it, I had to realize like, no, you, you can't discount it. Um, I know for me, I've lived with my dad, you know, in my life, my entire life, him and my mother have been married 30 plus years at this point. Um, and, you know, I mean, hell, I think I talked about it on the show before, like my dad had major spinal surgery a couple months ago, spent like 10 days in the hospital. That was the most terrifying 10 days of my life because I've, he's never been in the hospital. He's just been my my skinny but strong Jamaican daddy, you know what I mean? And, and kind of seeing him in a position and in a place in which he was kind of helpless was jarring to me. Um, and it's funny, <laughs> there really is some validity to the idea of like women, cis hetero women, <laughs> you know, and, and perhaps gay men, I don't know, Jared, you tell me, uh, you know, date their fathers. Um, for me, <laughs> I it took a lot of therapy to understand that I was doing exactly that. Um, my dad is a person who right now, as he is, what is my dad, 59. At 59, he is, he's a lot more uh, self-actualized and, and, and he's grown, he's grown a whole lot. Cause I remember my daddy at like 30 something. I'm like, mm -mm, you were. <laughs> <laughs> you were not that good of a person. Um, great daddy, not that good of a person in other ways. Um, you know, my dad, there were some like infidelity things with my mom and my dad, like when I was super young, as far as I can know. Um, you know, I think until I was like maybe three, four years old. But those were stories that weren't shy about talking about in my household. You know what I mean? So like, I had to deal, well, not even, I didn't have to, but I dealt with certain infidelity situations and I found myself wondering, how the hell did I get into this? Um, my father up until maybe a few years ago, wasn't very good at communicating. So I would find myself attracted to men who were just terrible communicators. My father has had, you know, a lot of instances where he's felt like almost the black sheep <laughs> of his family he has a lot of siblings but they're from very different very different places like he does not none of his siblings does he share both my you know my grandmother and my grandfather with um and so my dad has a lot of like abandonment issues um a lot of mommy issues my grandfather uh I mean, I know my grandfather, We he's he's in my life, um, but my grandfather actually raped my grandmother when she was like 13, 14. And so my grandmother had my dad, like when she was 14, 15 years old, came from Jamaica to the United States by herself and worked her ass off, you know, to try and like make a life so that she can bring her son here to the United States. Like the house that I'm living in right now, my grandmother owns this. This is the house that my father grew up in, you know? Um, and I say all that to say, I realized at one point that when I, I sat down with my therapist and we charted out every single relationship and situationship, and I'm talking about from like 16 to at that point, it was like 32, right? So 16 to 32, 16 years of date of date, date history. 
and realize that every single one of those men, not nobody was the exception. Every single one of those men had some kind of complicated relationship with their parents, whether they had an absent father, whether they had an abusive, you know, parent, um, they had like super issues with their mother. They didn't know either of their parents, all of those things. Um, and I think it's, it, but you know, thank God for growth because now I find myself attracted to people who are kind of like how my dad is now, who he's very, he's overly communicative, um, you know, talks about his feelings and he doesn't yell anymore because it makes his stomach hurt apparently. Um, <laughs> it's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and I mean, even for me, it's like thinking about some of the, the differences that I kind of saw having my dad in my life and in my household on a regular basis compared to my friends like growing up who didn't it's kind of night and day um in terms of how we were when we were kids and how we ended up um i i remember my dad used to work all the time thank he just retired as of may 28th yay <laughs> after you know 31 plus years um and, but, you know, my dad was a person who six days out of the week, true Jamaican, six days out of the week from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m., my dad was working, period, you know? And, and so when my dad would like, I remember even as a little girl, like my dad would enter the, the, the house and I'm like, daddy, I'm excited because I just don't see him that much. Uh, but I never felt as though he wasn't present. Um, and that, that made a huge difference. And when little things would happen, like I was starring in a school play or a musical, or I had a debate team competition or a storytelling competition, or my mother was throwing me a pizza party, birthday party. My dad, you know, if he showed up, I'm like, oh, look at my father, y'all. Like, here he is. I know y'all are, y'all might have some complicated situations with your daddies, but my daddy's right here. And I'm so proud of him and look at him and he's right here. Um, and I don't know, man, I think, I think I'm just so grateful to still have him here to still understand the lessons that he's imparted upon me. Um, and, you know, Jaren, even like with certain things that you've, you know, you've said about like your complicated relationship with your dad and how you had to go through like this forgiveness aspect with him. Um, there have been some things that my dad has said and done that have hurt me. And I guess I'm just, I'm very grateful for the fact that I can, I can still call him out on some crap right now um, and kind of be able to move past all of those things. And my heart hurts for those of, those of us in terms of Griot fam, Jaren, in terms of you who aren't really able to, to, to do that um, fully and completely. Uh, but so, you know, we said it earlier, I send my love to everyone who's kind of dealing with that at this time. Um, and even if you don't really have like your dad around or a father figure or anything like that, I think, you know, it's just, it'll be okay. <laughs> I guess it's the best thing. I'm just trying to find the, the silver lining in that if there, if there is any. I think I also want to just quickly add that it's really important for Black fathers to 
or any parent really to see their child um, and, and receive them just as they are. Mm -hmm. And one memory I have with my dad was when my, I think it was my 13th birthday. And I know Shonda, you would appreciate this because I was a big WWF fan, now WWE fan. And remember when they had that restaurant in 40 sec, like in Times Square, they had the WWF restaurant and they had like, when you come in as a shopping area and you can buy the belts, you can get the action figures, you can sit for dinner. And my dad, my dad knew I always wanted to go there. And me and my dad never bonded over sports or things like that. He knew that I wasn't a sports person. So he always, he always tried to uh, enrich me in things that I had interest in. So when I had interest in drawing, he bought me a big drawing book uh, with the pencils and the color, all that, and the uh, uh, art desk. He um, he got me piano lessons when I showed interest in playing the piano, and I loved wrestling. And so we bonded watching wrestling together because it was the one thing that I guess was manly enough for him to really engage in and he took me to the restaurant and i recently when i was packing to come to dc i found the album book it's like a, a wwf album book with the photos he took um photos of me and an eye of him and i cry looking at those photos because i saw the awkward jaron who was 13 trying to figure himself out who was nerdy he was <laughs> suppressing his sexuality my dad knew that i was you know awkward and he just, he, he embraced me and accepted me as I was. And I wasn't able to um, express my joy out loud because I was so, you know, so into myself because I was going through so many things in terms of my identity and my personality and my sexuality. But I saw like this little smirk that I would give when I was a young, young boy. And it was that smirk of just joy and just that, wow, my dad took me here. He surprised me and took me to the place I always wanted to go to. And it reminded me that despite the fact that it was complicated in terms of my sexuality in every other way, he saw me for who I was and he tried to cultivate an environment of safety and, and, and making me feel like I could uh, be exactly who I was in that moment. And I just, I, I now look back on our relationship so much more differently. And I see that he really, he saw me in ways that I want my future husband to see me just as I am and accept me as I am. And so when you have a relationship with a with a, your father who loves you as you are, hopefully that will uh, give you the framework for how you choose a man in your life romantically, um, because that's ultimately what you want. You want someone who, who truly loves you and sees you for who you are and, and not as anything else. Listen, I completely understand that because as far as I'm concerned, my daddy would move heaven and earth for me if he can. Um, although he did tell me when I went to Thailand, no, not it wasn't even Thailand. It was when I went to uh, Dubai and this man told me, he's like, listen now, don't go out there and act a fool and get took, like get taken like that little white girl in that movie, Taken. He's like, cause you just got took. I don't got a special set of skills to get you back. <laughs> But, you know, with that being said, like, I know my dad would move heaven and earth for me. Anything that I, I need, honestly, honestly, really anything that I want, my dad, I can, I'll be like, dad, come on, help, help, help a young, help a young sister out. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, quite frankly, if you can't love me as hard as my daddy does, I ain't got nothing for you, bro. Like, what? I, you think I'm gonna bring you around, Errol? <laughs> Please. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely understand that one. 
Today, we are joined by two amazing and proud Black daddies. Roderick Bradford is an actor, influencer, and married father of four. Woof. Four. Together and individually, the Walker Bradfords have skills in the entertainment industry that range from acting, modeling, dancing, screenwriting, directing, producing, and hosting. All of the things, basically. <laughs> to date, they have made appearances with household brand names including Crown Royal, Nike, Dick Sporting Goods, Gap, and Blue Cross Blue Shield. Francis Garner is a proud girl dad. The married father of three works alongside his wife, Carrie, to manage the budding online careers of their young daughters, Jade and Avery. They recently welcomed their third baby girl, Callie, making their Garner game complete. Welcome, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, so I guess my first question, uh, did you grow up with your father present and how did that impact your decision to become a father and how you embrace fatherhood? So uh, again, thank you guys for having me, all praises. I appreciate you guys for taking this time. Um, my father was present. Now my parents were split. So it was a split household, but he was extremely active. He was a coach. He was my mentor. Um, most people say I act just like him, not just from the perspective of being a father, but from the perspective of just caring about people. Um, he's a big brother's big sister's uh, mentor and, and things like that. So uh, I pretty much get most of my principles, wisdom from Pops. Um, he was very active even in the space of being in the military. So having to go to places for a year, for a month or two weeks, he still, and even to this day, as I'm an adult, he still, he still shows up. My father was um, an excellent father when it came to discipline and um, understanding the ways of the world. Um, even, even understanding lessons from him that he taught me indirectly, meaning I was watching him even when he didn't know I was studying him. Um, and ultimately was my, uh, I guess, purpose, if you will, to figure out the things that I wanted to take from him. And, and grow with them and kind of throw out the things that I think wasn't going to be healthy for, for, for my lifestyle and kind of use that to make me into who I am today. And I use those, those same principles with my own kids, even when I don't realize it. Yeah, I'm, I'm long-winded. I can go all day. Y'all just got to <laughs> shut me up when y'all ready for me. Okay. Well, how old were you when you first became a dad? And what impact, if at all, did that have a role in the way that you parent or your parenting style? I was 26 when I met my wife. My wife had two, she had the boys before we met. I met Yale when he was almost three and Yannick when he was four. So immediately I had to take that responsibility from a whole nother level, but I was very family oriented. So for that to happen, it fit. So I was 24. I was in my master's program. I've always, uh, I've always really appreciated the age in which I had kids because I was in that coming out of college phase, still trying to figure out who I was. Um, and when you're at, in that kind of space, you then add someone that needs you full time. So it helped me with professional things like organization time and, and all that. But 
I think the the biggest thing was uh, understanding that it's it's not about me anymore. And that was also influenced by my dad and my parents who were mentors and took kids in and things like that. Um, and so for me, it was just like, oh, it's just my time now. It's my time to, to bring up the next generation, share these principles I have. And really for me, it was especially having girls, it's I have to be the example of a man for them. I'm, I'm not a father, but I know parenting is, is no joke. What lessons do you want to impart on your children? You know, growing up, I didn't have much. Because of that, I understood the lesson of, of, of working hard for what you want. Because when you work for something and when you finally have it, it has value behind it, um, right? Um, now, with my kids, granted, they don't have to work for much. But... I also want to instill that same concept in them where, right, understand what it's like to plant a seed, step aside, watch it grow, come back, now you got a forest. You know what I'm saying? Like It's like that type of um, thing that I want to instill in my kids. And I also want them to compete, man. I want them to say, yo, whatever you want to do, you be the best at it and don't ever let anyone tell you that you cannot compete, that you cannot be number one. And we're not talking, about, okay, so yeah, sports is there. You know, sports is always going to be there, but we're talking about the other things too. You know, you want to be a scientist, you want to be a doctor, this, that, and the third. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it more importantly because of your skin color, because we don't play that game on this side. Well, you know, uh, for me, uh, everything starts and finishes with the most high. Uh, so the principles I, I teach, Jade knows when she wakes up, she needs to thank God. Before she goes to sleep, she needs to thank God. Avery, uh, even in learning to talk, she's gonna close them eyes at the dinner table and, and say, da -da 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 -da, amen and clap. Uh, <laughs> that's where I get, outside of the learned principles from parents and just experiences, that's where I get the, the bulk of my principles, um, whether it be patience or anger, uh, fruits of the spirit, wisdom, um, and all of those things I try to uh, enact as a father. But you know, I think the most important thing with fatherhood in general, whether you be a, you're a girl dad or not, is just being present. Uh, there's nothing that can substitute for just being present. Uh, and so, you know, there's been the times where I just have to talk to Jade and Avery and then soon Callie uh, doing hair and all of that and being present, being patient, being patient, uh, understanding that they have no idea what the world is right now. All they know is YouTube kids, cartoons, popsicles, <laughs> like that's it. Uh, so again, presence and, and just patience, man. That's, that's, that's just the key to all of it. Me and my wife talk about it all the time. My kids have their own mind and they really have what I call the fucking mentality. Like they want what they want. And I've always believed that's how I want my kids to be as they grow up. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what people say or do, you go do your thing. Mm -hmm. Like re regardless. Now I want my kids to be decent human beings, treat people with love and respect. But when it comes to goal achievement, their dreams and all that, Man, I want them to go out and say, F it. we're finna go get it done. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, and, and that's just my firm belief. I want them to be who they are, confident in who they are, regardless of the hate or the backlash. You know, I believe one thing with kids, because you never know what you're going to get. I always believe you're either going to get a serial killer or a CEO. And most times they are somewhere in the middle, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, and so for me, I just, I just want them to be whatever they want to be. I want them to be who they want to be. And I just want them to be confident in that. You know, especially given kind of the, the, the cultural climate that we're in right now, you know, we're on the, the backs of, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, et cetera, et cetera. My question to you would be, what does fatherhood specifically like mean to you as you are raising little black children that are eventually going to grow up into, you know, black men and women that go out into the world and they're, they're they too are gonna unfortunately have to face this really, you know, tough reality of being black in America. Um, what does that mean to you and how do you help, how do you intend to help them navigate that space? We have to be their influences. We have to be their teachers, their mentors, their police officers, their store um, market owners, their, 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 their bosses. We have to be all those at different levels. So as harshly and as honestly as we can, so that when the time comes, when they have to encounter it, they know how to. That, and and it's, it's an ugly truth because, you know, a lot of parents, they want to sit here and pretend, I mean, this, this is life. I'm daddy, I'm mommy, and, and you're going to have to listen to what I say because I'm blah, 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 blah. You know, um, one of the boys, he said something the other day. He said, you know, why do you, why do you have to be so bossy? <laughs> and, you know, because he was like, we don't like it sometimes. And I said, well, why is it that every time I have to tell you to do something, I have to repeat myself over and over and over again? This then causes me to be bossy. And then you get an attitude. And now we're in this cycle. But how do we stay out of the cycle? Mm -hmm. I'm very conceptual when it comes to that type of thing. Learn how to think about the structure that you're in so you can program it however you want to. And so I try to keep, teach, teach my, my, my kids little gems like that, and they may not catch it right now, but I didn't have this lesson. So we, we've had to have some tough conversations with, with my daughter because my, my mom is white, and so we've had to have different conversations. Um, I first start off with Jade, and because she's the one that understands the most right now, understanding you need to love and respect everybody from the jump regardless of what they look like because you just you just don't you just don't know who they are so so start with the love um I take a lot of pride in being a black father though I think it's one of the most important positions in the world I think systemically we're probably one of the most attacked groups when you look at incarceration rates and, and things like that um and back to when I said about being present it, the world a lot of times is out to make sure we're not and then when you look at you know we're in the big mental health stage and a lot of people talk about their relationships with their father and and not being there or being there or you know all of that um it's it's so vital it's so critical um it's scary 
You know, I've had to have the conversations with, you know, my white mom and say, hey, I'm doing all these things and it just puts a bigger target on your back. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, the world is full of hate and the hate is coming, you know, but as long as you're grounded in, in that word and, and understand the, the purpose, you'll, you'll be pretty much solid. But, you know, I don't shy away from my children at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I am very 100% honest some people say I'll probably talk a little harsh because I talk to my kids like they're the homies. So, <laughs> you know, because I have to, I have to be true to who I am. So I'm letting them know, like <laughs> Jade hit me a couple times with a few fams and bros, because that's how I talk. <laughs> hey, fam, you messing up, bro? No, nah, that's not what we do, fam. No. Um, so I, I don't hide anything from her. Um, when she went through the Black History Month thing. At, at school this year, we had to sit down and have those conversations. Well, who is Martin Luther King? Who is Rosa Parks? What does all this mean? How come this is happening and that's happening? Uh, I believe in keeping it 100. I don't care if you're three months old, six, 32, 100, you know. Uh, so that's how I kind of address any kind of issue, race, anything. I just got to keep it a thousand with my kids, man. Absolutely. Well, Roderick and Francis, thank you so much for joining us here on Dear Culture. Thank you for your insight and happy Father's Day. Uh, it's no secret that having a father or a great male figure in your life has a lasting impact. Let's celebrate the ones we have today and each day moving forward for the challenging yet rewarding job of fatherhood. We want to remind our listeners to support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The business that we will highlight this week is Fathers Incorporated. Established in 2004, Fathers Incorporated has a unique seat at the national table, working with leaders in the White House, Congress, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, family law, business, faith-based, and the responsible fatherhood movement. Fatherhood Incorporated works collaboratively with organizations around the country to identify and advocate for social and legislative changes that lead to healthy father involvement with children, regardless of the father's marital or economic status or geographic location. For more information, visit their website at www.fathersincorporated.com. Thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review, subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. And please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments. We love those to podcasts at thegrio.com. The Dear Culture podcast is brought to you by The Grio and executive produced by Blue Salusma and co-produced by Taji Senior, Brenda Alexander, and Antonio Thompson. See you next week.